this week on the Cool Store Podcast, I get the opportunity to catch up with Tiffany Green, the first African-American to call play-by-play on ESPN, and also Jen Price, the founder of Crafted for Action and so much more here at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. to have Tiffany Green here on the Cool Source Show. Of course, this show is brought to you by Cricket Wireless, Camping World Stadium here as the Florida A&M University Rattlers take on Bethune-Cookman University, which has now been deemed the most popular HBCU classic in the country. Tiffany Green, who is calling the game today, is a Cool Source of the Beta Alpha chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Fall 2001. How you doing, first of all? Oh, I feel lovely. Yes. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so, be, I'm so glad to be sitting next to you. Listen. The Rashawn Ali. No, this is the Tiffany Green. I mean, you're a history maker. When people talk about, first, we'll get into the game and the history of the game. Um, when people talk about this amazing uh, rivalry, what comes to mind for you? Being your Florida girl, I'm sure you came to these games prior to what you're doing now. But then to come back and be able to call the game as the first African-American woman to call games for ESPN. As a FAMU alum, how does that feel for you? It's a a full circle moment because I think back to being a little girl and it being in Tampa when it started out. And so everybody would come around from all across the country to participate, to be there. Then my grandparents' house is just right up the street, so when it moved to Orlando, we walking right up here to the stadium to take in everything. And then I think back to moments where my husband and I were the king and queen of Orange and Green. Right. And when the Marching 100 was performing back then, there was a song called Contagious by Ronald Isley. Yeah. And so I was the, the woman who was stepping out. Yeah. And my King of Orange or Green was who I was stepping out with. So y'all did a whole routine? So we did a whole routine oh on God. the field with the Marching 100. I love and it. So those are like beautiful moments that I remember and can take in. But then also coming here and being able to see the football teams, but specifically Florida A&M. You know it's near and dear to my heart. Having to be impartial in those moments, incredibly challenging. Yes. Especially when things are on the line. You think about... The chance to go to the Celebration Bowl for FAMU. Yeah. Bethune-Cookman snatched it away. Right. And you have to be in the moment and just as excited for the Wildcats who are watching and saying, oh, my goodness, that twenty, uh, that 99-yard, you know, longest run in classic history by Tupac Ismi, or you're thinking about, uh, you know, the pick six by Henry Miller to be the backbreaker. Yeah. To deny Florida A&M. Those are moments that you can't take away. And as a sports fan, you just have to say, I enjoy it. I love it no matter, you know, regardless yeah. of where I went to school. So so when you were younger, like, did you imagine yourself calling games? Because for me, it was like, oh, I want to do sideline reporting. Calling a game was never even a goal for me. Oh, yeah. What were your goals as a little girl 
I always um, wanted to be a sportscaster. Really? Always wanted to be a sportscaster since I was like five years old. And the thing about it was, I would watch John Madden and Pat Summerall. I would put the cup, you know, my ear and try to listen and sound just like they sounded. I would watch baseball games and repeat everything that the broadcasters were doing because I just wanted to be in their shoes. And then a special woman came along by the name of Robin Roberts. Yes, of course. And so I saw her call some basketball games and I thought, my goodness. This is class personified. She is genuine. She is authentic. She knows her stuff. And then I studied her background. You know, we came up in bowling. And we had just, you know, really um, a a strong tie and interest to sports. And I knew I couldn't play it professionally. But I figured if I could be connected to it in some form or fashion, that would feed my soul. Yes. Right? Because I love the teamwork, the camaraderie, just the dedication that you have to have to play a sport. So to be able to report and call games when you think about those superior and elite athletes, yes. it's an honor. Yeah, I mean, I think about my time as a sideline reporter and just the preparation it went for, who you might be able to interview, who you might be able to tell a story about. You have to do that probably times 20 because you gotta know about every player because you have to have a nugget about if somebody makes a 20 yard you know, run and, and you're like, hey, such and such, such a, you know, he went to such and such a right down the street from here. You gotta know that. Right. What is your preparation time like? And, and, and how do you get used to that type of rigor? I think it's one of those things where you train as an athlete. You know, both you and I were college athletes, and so we understand the type of dedication that you have to it. Um, and you take that approach no differently in broadcasting. So if I have to know, you know, 11 guys on each side plus the other team, I'm thinking to myself, well, first, let me find some of the key players that people are going to want to listen in on, yeah. know about. Um, but I'm doing game notes, I'm reading articles, I'm listening to interviews, I'm talking to coaches and players, I'm going back watching game film, like you're just taking time. And then the casual conversation also really helps. Oh, absolutely. When you're just talking sports, you pick up information and nuggets that you wouldn't necessarily think about. Um, You're always consuming information. It's just like through osmosis, even when watching games. I'm also critiquing how other broadcasters are calling games. How are they getting in and out and setting up their analysts? So it's, wow. it's no longer just watching TV. It's, it's, it's really um, digesting everything that's, that's happening. So sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's not because it's just not, it's just a part of who you are. Right. It's a part of who I am and I love it. Yeah. How did, how did our amazing school of journalism, oh, oh, <laughs> how did oh. it prepare you for what you're doing now? I mean, I know for me, I always think about like, wow, I would not be as great as I am. And I can say that because we came from an institution that really fostered our growth as journalists. How does it feel to be representing Florida A&M wherever you go, not just today? It's a tremendous responsibility and it's something that I'll be honest with you that I prayed for. You know, I asked God to give me a platform and so Florida A&M helped to cultivate that and develop me into who I am. And they taught me literally everything I felt like in the School of Journalism yes. and Graphic Communication. They taught me everything outside of like office politics, right? Like nobody can teach you that, you just gotta be in that culture and situation. However, um, to shoot, to edit, to be versatile, the, the, the cross training that you have to have to be a sharp writer, right? And, and how do you write in different instances, newspaper versus PR or magazine right. and right. broadcasting, like all of that, plays a role in it and then the persistence that you have to have in the process because you know you get denied but that's what happens when we're trying to interview players right when we were trying to talk to coaches you have to be persistent you have to follow up you have to enterprise and 
naturally try to find ways and ends to build relationships that you can get those things. So I think FAMU did all of that. Yeah. And, and, and when you are on campus with so many other talented individuals yes. who push you and raise your level of expectation to say, okay, do I need to step up? Yes, I do if I want to hang in this crowd. Or, yeah, or because be the level of talent at people. FAMU oh my goodness, was, it was fast. Yeah, you had to be great. Yeah. So that when we went out in the world, we were already prepared because we had already been you know, competing against people that were fantastic. Right. So that is great. So I'm going to let you go okay. because I know I'm you got to prepare. I probably, talk, I probably talk too much. Look, I, I, listen, we can spend a whole hour talking about what's going on. Coming off of convocation, though, being the convocation speaker at FAMU, most journalists, most any FAMU alum always looks at that stage and like, man, I want to be there. You were fantastic. Thank you. You delivered. You, you did everything I'm sure that your heart desired. What was the best moment about being on that stage that day? being where my feet were. Oftentimes, when you have these tremendous opportunities, you don't necessarily soak it all in because you're so worried about the next step or the next thing you're gonna say or whatever is 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 in front of you. You don't necessarily take in and say, I'm here. this is that moment. Yeah. And when I got excited and I was filled, the spirit was moving in that place like, you can't script that any better. No. And no one is gonna be able to take that moment away from me. It was just like, Lord, I've arrived here on the stage that I dreamed to be on, and now that I'm here, oh my gosh, all I can do is shout hallelujah and say thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for granting this to me. And I asked him, hey, Lord, just give me the words that you want me to say. What I was most struck by, Rashawn, is I wanted to inspire the students. I did not expect the seasoned rattlers and individuals to come up and say, you motivated me, me you inspired yeah. me. And I was just like, Wow. It wasn't even for them. Wow. No. I mean, it was a hopefully a holistic, but you really want to walk away and say, okay, the students can take away something from that. But the fact that other Rattlers, all Rattlers were energized and ready to go, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Well, we're energized, and I know you're ready. You got to get ready for this amazing game yeah. today here at Camping World Stadium where the Florida A&M University Rattlers take on the Bethune-Cookman University Wow, cat! You see, I'm getting it right. Yeah, yeah, you're getting it right because it used yeah. to be something else. Oh, uh, listen, okay. listen, I ain't gonna get in trouble because you know my best friend is next, and she had, she was able to do both. She was able to go oh. to Bethune Cookman first, That's then the family. I'm like, what a perfect guest. Yes. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Thank you so much. Call a great game. I'm Thank so you. extremely proud of you. I am, I'm a groupie for you. Not only are you my baby sister, but I'm truly a groupie <laughs> for your work and what you do and what you continue to do. Thank, Thank you, you so much I for being an example for so you. many, not just me. Thank you, Rashawn. Thank you. I Tiffany Green, everybody. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Continuing our amazing episode here at Camping World Stadium as Florida A&M takes on Bethune-Cookman University. And I thought it would be apropos to have my best friend on because not only did she attend Bethune-Cookman University, but she attended Florida A&M University because she was on a 3-2 program. I'm like, we're going to be in Florida. You haven't been on the podcast since I've revamped it. It makes sense for you to come on. So please show some love to my friend, my best friend in the whole United States of America. Jen Price, everybody. Come on in, Jen. Act like it's a whole bunch of people. It's fine. <laughs> I love it. We had to bring you in like you were on Wendy. Yes. Use say, say say that again. I really appreciate I appreciate the yes. thought behind that. Yeah. Right. Wow, yeah. your eyes look so fantastic. Do they? Yes. You have I, on makeup. I it's look not... like this every day. <laughs> you woke up like this? 
Nah, I did not. It, it's fine. Totally yeah. fine, guys. <laughs> totally fine. Jim Price, you have the amazing, um, you had the amazing opportunity to be able to go to both of these institutions, which today yeah. you are representing your Wildcats. Absolutely. And I you're representing do. your Rattlers. Yes. Yeah. And then you have on the new Dunks. Both well, of us have on the new Dunks. Um, of yeah. course, created by Kate the Great. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, I mean, so you just, you, you, you got on double nail you. I, I do. Yes. And I, in this case, it is warranted and acceptable. Right. It yeah. is warranted Absolutely. and acceptable. So, so tell us about your uh, experience at Bethune-Cookman, you know, why you chose BCU in the beginning and then to choose a 3-2 program, knowing the rivalry of these two schools, or was that even in consideration? I had no idea. Of course, that. right? None um, of us did. Nope, didn't know. But uh, <laughs> I got to Bethune, uh, first of all, on a scholarship. Um, I had already planned to go to Tuskegee University. I knew I wanted to be in engineering. At that time, I wanted to be in like aerospace engineering. Tuskegee has a great program. They're an engineering HBCU, so I'd already paid my room deposit. And um, I think someone from Bethune, I don't know how they found me, but they called the house and talked to my dad and said that I was going to be offered a presidential scholarship, which is a full ride. Yeah. And uh, dad was like, she'll absolutely be coming in the fall. <laughs> Nobody talked to me about this. Right. But he did ask me if I could call Tuskegee and see if I could get my room deposit back. Right. $275 all <laughs> It, they were like, they no, were like, sir. no, 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 no. <laughs> no we're not gonna have it. But I love, no. I love it. I love that he at least attempted yeah, to try yeah. to get the money back. Yeah, because that's who Don P was. That's who my dad was. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah. So that's where I started. Um, I knew that I wanted to be an engineer. Bethune Cookman does not have an engineering program, but okay. they do have sort of an exchange program with other HBCUs that do have a technical program. So like a FAMU, Tuskegee. Um, North Carolina A&T, Alabama, um, all those universities are HBCUs that offer a technical program. So it was called a 3-2 dual yep. degree program. Yep. So I started at Bethune uh, and did three years as a pure mathematics major and took some pre-engineering courses, transferred to FAMU after three years and was duly enrolled for one year. In 97, I officially finished my math program and got a math degree from Bethune, continued at FAMU for two more years to get my civil engineering degree. Right, so, you just yeah, small. I did both. I had, it was an honor to have gone to both universities. Totally right. different experiences. Yeah, yeah, you get to honor both today. Uh, I mean, on a beautiful day like this. I'm sure though, because you had so many people that loved you at FAMU, when you thought about the 3-2 program, you could have gone to any other institution, oh, any yeah. other HBCU. I could have. You could have, but the, the connection of FAMU because I was there, Brianna was there, Tracy was there, and a lot of people yeah, who you love. Chad, Chad and Terry. Yeah, yeah. A lot of our friends were really? already at FAMU, and it just made perfect sense. Yeah. You've been telling me about it. I had met some of your line sisters the summer before. Right. Because you had a party in Atlanta every summer yep, yep. before going back to school, and I met them. And it was just like all love. And right. y'all loved it so much and talked so highly of FAMU. It just made sense for me to go. Right, man, yeah. that's a beautiful thing to get the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Let's, let's fast forward to it. I mean, obviously you are doing great things in, in, as a city planner, um, but your passion for uh, Crafted for Action, uh, Atlanta Beer Boutique, and all the things that you're doing as a black woman in the beer space, in the craft beer space, for those people who don't understand what that's like. I mean, I know we have limited time here today, but with Crafted for Action, let's talk about what you're doing in that space as a black woman in beer. 
Yeah, you're you're spot on, Rashawn. The reason why I found it crafted for action is because there is just a noticeable gap, um, a noticeable um, just black hole, really, when it comes to women in craft beer. You narrow that down to women of color in craft beer, and more specifically, black women in craft beer. It just there is such a need there for someone to offer programming, to offer experiences and to really begin to create like a community around that. And that's what we're doing in Atlanta, just as a scene in general. There's like this movement happening with craft beer in Atlanta among black people. There are a lot of people in Greek letter organizations yes. who are in that. So we've got members of so many Greek letter organizations, um, Panhellenic organizations right. to be specific. Alpha Kappa Alpha's represented it there, Phi Beta Sigma, um, Zeta Phi Beta, just, and Omega, Omega, and Omega too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's so beautiful to see that in Atlanta, being a chocolate city like it is, and craft beer just being on the rise. It's it's a proud moment to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm so happy for you because you know what you created so many years ago of what you thought was going to be your brick and mortar at Atlanta Beer Boutique, yep. and obviously the pandemic hit, and you had to literally change your entire your plan for what was going to be your brand yeah how grateful are you that that happened so that crafted for action could be born in retrospect in retrospect that's a, a good distinction to make because it took a moment for me to get there because it was a, a huge loss i mean not of the financial resources but of like the energy that i put into it and the passion i put behind trying to open a brick and mortar location and the timing was just off so it took a minute to get over that but getting over it and using that as sort of the platform for launching crafted for action it, it would not have happened had i not had that loss yep. of atlanta beer boutique it would There's have never no happened way. because as you know i had on my vision board a craft beer conference years ago that's been on my vision board for years and i had just never fulfilled it i was like one day one day one day but the pandemic actually presented the perfect opportunity for me to launch a hybrid conference. So all of the panels are virtual, so you can watch them from anywhere. Access is a very big um, thing for me and craft beer, especially among people of color. The reason why we aren't in it is because we don't have access to it. Right, right. So just providing information to people, you know, it just, it, it makes me feel really good about offering that and helping to grow the community and to create some depth there because a lot of us are passionate about craft beer, but to then layer that with, you know, real opportunities to make change in the industry because you're educated and you know what you're talking about yep. is just, it takes it to another level. So I'm just proud to have started it and it has um, really given me a new purpose where I thought I was going to fulfill that with the craft beer store. I'm able to fulfill that still through Crafted for Action. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. And then you ladies, um, craft, craft Women Connect, you yeah. know, you create beers and... And partner with um, um, breweries in Atlanta yes. and all around. I mean, I think this fantastic. You guys are doing work that has never been done. Mm -hmm. Have you ever taken a step back to to really just embrace all the unprecedented things that you've been at the forefront of? I probably have not, and yeah. I should. Yeah, you, you got to live should. in it. It's hard when you're in it and when you're doing the work. Um, and it feels, like, sometimes it feels... I have a little bit of an imposter syndrome. Yeah, you know, I you, have that. You but know, you I deserve suffer. all of it, though. <laughs> But yeah, sometimes it's just like, am I really, like, is this really important? You know what I'm saying? I just, I know for a fact that yeah. people would not know about black women and beer 
black men in beer yeah. and the whole culture that you all have created in, in Atlanta right. had it not been for the universe saying, uh, not this right now, this right now. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. So continue to walk in it. Continue to grow I, in I it. I shall. And I and listen, me and and our other bestie Bree, we we are we gonna be our biggest. You're gonna be your biggest cheerleaders. I be there every know. time, and it's fantastic. We get to it travel is. the world and talk about things that we love, like this podcast and your beer. We get to do it together. To, to Cricket Wireless. Thank you, Cricket. Good God <laughs> Almighty. Come on, it's dreams awesome. come true, it's right? It's beautiful. It's absolutely yeah. a beautiful thing. So thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Representing both outstanding institutions That's in Florida right. Agricultural Mechanical University and Bethune-Cookman University. That's right. You get to wear both. I do. In your heart. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Physically and actually emotionally. Absolutely. Um, um, for for your love that. for both. So Very Jen proud. Price, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, best friend. Continue to do what you do. And we're going to continue to do what we do here in Orlando for the Cool Source Show presented by Cricket Wireless. Thank you, everybody.